Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, good afternoon and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Dr. Charles is board certified in family practice in San Antonio. You'll find her at the Ingram Mall Clinic for WellMed, but she is able to talk about issues that traverse the country. It doesn't have to be San Antonio-oriented. We love talking with her and with our very special guest. And Dr. Charles, uh, we're going to take up a topic today, emotional impact of COVID-19, that I'm sure uh, your patients struggle with. COVID-19 has made such a big impact on all of our patients. And yes, not and not just patients, I mean, family members and throughout. So it's a great topic. Well, our guest is Dr. Paul Allen Costamo. He's with WellMed at Kenwood in Florida and is board certified in family medicine. Earned his medical degree at the University of South Florida in Tampa. Completed his residency at Bayfront Medical Center in St. Petersburg. And uh, as I said, he's board certified in family medicine. And uh, doctor, it's great to have you on. Thanks for joining us on WellMed Radio. Well, thanks so much for having me. Talk to me a little bit about uh, how your patients are are dealing with the emotional impact of COVID-19. Because whether you have it or not, these days, everybody knows someone uh, who, who either is struggling with it or died. Yes, it's. Uh, I think the biggest thing for most patients, most people, is just the uncertainty. Uh, everyone knows it's out there. People know people who've had it, been in the hospital. Unfortunately, you know, over a half a million people have died in this country. Uh, so it's been a worldwide tragedy uh, that affects uh, everyone, even if you're not uh, directly been infected or not. I don't know how you wrap your mind around 500,000 dead people from from one virus. It, it, it's such an incredible number. It's more than died in World War One, World War Two, and Vietnam combined. It's it's just huge. How do you handle that? I think that's the the biggest issue is that so many of us uh, have trouble handling that. That's just such a ferocious uh issue and also the the fact of, again, the uncertainty of it. Uh, Do we have it under control? Is it peaking again? Are the vaccines helpful? Are people getting vaccinated? Are people following the CDC guidelines? Uh, Just trying to wrap your head around it, it's just overwhelming. And in Florida, you live in a state without getting political, uh, where your governor has uh, not been assertive in trying to make people wear masks. In fact, they pretend that everything's hunky-dory down there. Yeah, again, not trying to be political, but yes, I would say that, uh, you know, despite the lack of um, clear direction from above, uh, you know, the rates in Florida have been going down. And even though uh, there is not a mandate for masks in much of the state here in St. Petersburg, uh, we have mandates when going inside buildings. Uh, The city of Tampa, right across the bay from us, does as well. Um, But there's other out counties outside, more rural areas where, you know, mask use is almost discouraged as part of a social thing. Uh, I majored in microbiology and 
don't claim to be an infectious disease expert, but certainly stopping the spread of disease is key. And since we do know that it does uh, it is an airborne virus, uh, at the beginning, obviously, there was concerns that it was by contact and droplet, but that seems to not happen very often at all. Uh, wearing masks and social distancing seem like a lot of good common sense prevention. And on the other coast in Florida, on the Atlantic coast, you've got all those revelers down for uh, spring break. <laughs> uh, I've seen the videos on CNN, and uh, these are young people who I guess believe they're bulletproof. Yeah, being young is a, is a great thing because nothing bad can happen to you until it does. So whether it's uh, risky behavior with drugs, alcohol, jumping out of fifth-story windows into pools, Ooh. or not socially distancing or taking other precautions, yeah, it is, it is a big problem. And obviously, there's economic issues and loss of jobs and reasons why they're encouraging spring breakers to come down. But certainly from the medical side of things, uh, being in crowded conditions, uh, inebriated and not following any kind of guidelines is certainly not the way to try to get an epidemic under control. Now, if you just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Our special guest, Dr. Paul Allen Costamo, who is with WellMed at Kenwood in Florida. And Dr. Charles, uh, we know that the most at-risk population for COVID-19 are the patients uh, both of you see, people who are uh, Medicare eligible, over 65, they're at the highest risk. They are, and immunocompromised, you know, patients as well. And we see so many patients with chronic conditions like diabetes and high blood pressure, um, or you know, on medications that would even further lower their immune response. And so we do have some very high risk patients, and often inadvertently, those you know, those revelers, those younger patients, will um, infect their you know their older family members. Um, sometimes they, you know, the the younger folks are completely asymptomatic and don't have much symptoms at all. And so the, you know, the the ones that end up suffering are the the seniors. So, so Dr. K, talk to me a little bit about how your patients deal with the emotional side of COVID nineteen. Well, it, it, I think it's a, all the way across the spectrum. I have some patients who are trying to do things to keep themselves busy, both physically and mentally. Uh, whether that's through uh, exercise, uh, socialization, which you know has been limited, but certainly wearing masks and social distancing is very appropriate, and uh, communicating with friends. I've had patients who have literally started going to counseling, um, even perhaps seeing a psychiatrist because they've been practically paralyzed with the fear and uh, unable to really come to grips with it. And then some people use denial, you know, stick my head in the sand, and as long as I don't think about it, I won't get it. So it's, it's across the spectrum the way different people deal with this. You know, I think I've seen very similar things here with my patients where we have this you know, big spectrum where I have some patients that are so scared, they won't leave the house, they're cleaning everything, you know, 24-7, wiping everything down, <laughs> and other patients that are completely either oblivious or are just not wanting to to deal with wearing the mask or shields or, or gloves or washing hands or anything like that. I know that the 
the loss of the group exercise has been, you know, difficult for a lot of our patients. We have a little senior center right next to our clinic here in San Antonio at Ingram, um, which was a great source of stress relief of, you know, a lot of patients made so many friends and social connections through those senior centers that have been lost now. And I see so many patients that are tearful and, you know, anxious because they have not been able to see other people in isolation. You know, as humans, we don't really do that well when we're isolated. Um, we crave that human connection. So you get some who are mask resistant? Well, here in the clinic, you know, most people, you know, wear the masks. You know, it's difficult when there is any cognitive issues, memory loss. You know, sometimes it's harder to have them keep their masks on. Um, I also see patients that have a lot of trouble with respiratory disease sometimes, you know, get, and some of it's probably claustrophobia, but, um, you know, feel more air hunger with the mask on and so struggle to keep it on. Um, But most people do comply, right? That COPD sometimes makes it difficult. Mm -hmm. If it's tough to breathe without the mask on, sometimes they really struggle with the mask on as well. So, And I find it because I'm short to begin with, uh, I find it blocks my vision. Oh, if it's creeping up on, <laughs> right. on your eyes, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, so uh, it makes it tough, especially uh, going downstairs. Uh, oh, you can't really well. see the steps. Yeah. That uh, certainly is. Uh, hadn't thought of that. Yeah, it's true. And I, I read, uh, in fact, I had a guest on talking about uh, for hearing impaired who read lips, masks have oh. been a problem. Uh, and they do have clear ones. But most of us don't wear clear ones. Mm-mm. So if you're a lip reader, uh, it's a real challenge. Yeah, I definitely have seen that in some of my seniors that were that have some hearing loss, but not enough to where they, you know, were wanting to get uh, devices or anything to help them right. with their hearing. Where mm-hmm. it's just they were so dependent on the lip reading that now a lot of them are having to go and invest in the the devices and the body language. Mm-hmm. Hard to read, but it's funny, you don't think about it, but when your nose and lips are covered, it does affect reading body language. Yeah, patients, uh, just like all people, we have the verbal uh, cues and then we have the nonverbal cues and uh, even, you know, very young children pick up on those things and it's an inherent part of our communication. So losing those nonverbal cues uh, really blunts our interactions with people. One of my wife who uh, gets Botox injections occasionally will come home and say, I'm angry, but you can't tell I had Botox. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Same idea. Same idea. It affects all those forehead wrinkles. Mm -hmm. Well, how close are we uh, uh, to that magic herd immunity where enough people are vaccinated uh, that life can return to normal? Well, if you look at the latest release from the CDC, actually just today, it's just under 10% are fully immunized, either received the two doses of the uh, uh, Moderna or uh, Pfizer vaccine. And then we have the single dose of the uh, Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And I guess there's another 4% that are awaiting their second dose. Uh, but people aren't considered fully immunized until two weeks after the second dose or two weeks after the Johnson and Johnson. So theoretically, uh, it means in about six weeks, we'll probably be up to about 20% vaccinated, assuming the same rate that they've been going at 
which is about 2 million to 2.5 million doses a day. And they're obviously hoping to ramp that up even more. And what does it take for herd immunity to be uh, relevant? Most uh, most diseases, you want to be well over 75%. And if you're closer to 80, wow. 85%, uh, and it depends on the contagiousness of the disease and your population. Uh, so we've got a ways to go. Now, you're the microbiologist and I'm not. Why, <laughs> why would one vaccine be just one shot uh, and the others are two shots? Does that go into how you make it? Does it go into what you decide to do in the beginning? Yeah, there's a lot of factors involved. You know, the pediatric vaccines like uh, diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus, it's a series of five shots in the first uh, five years of life. And some vaccines like uh, bubonic plague, which fortunately we don't see anymore, yeah. but military and people in labs get it, um, that's one or two shots and usually lasts your lifetime, just like smallpox, which people my age got, and one dose is good for a lifetime. So some proteins, some polysaccharides that make up the vaccine are just inherently more responded to by our immune system and can provide lifelong protection. And in other ones, you need boosters, like a tetanus every 10 years, we get a booster because that immunity wanes. So it's interesting you mentioned uh, smallpox. Uh, I was vaccinated for that as well, but I mm -hmm. guess they don't vaccinate for it anymore. No, it's officially been uh, officially uh, no longer in the wild. And the only people that get smallpox vaccines now are military and uh, people who work with the smallpox vaccine, because it certainly could be used as a military weapon. Um, but yeah, there haven't been any wild cases of smallpox in a couple of decades other than lab accidents. Wow. Stick with us just a minute. Nice job there, Marisa. She's giving me the break sign. <laughs> We're bringing her along as a professional broadcaster. If the medicine thing doesn't work out, she's got a new yeah. career. I'm Ron Aaron, <laughs> along with Dr. Marisa Charles and our very special guest, Paul Allen Casamo, who is a physician with Wellman at Kenwood, Florida. You're listening to Wellmed Radio. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. Crying, waiting, hoping. Well, thank you for sticking with us right here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. She is board certified in family practice, as is our guest, Dr. Paul Allen Costamo. He's with WellMed at Kenwood in Florida. He, too, is certified in family medicine. We've been talking about the emotional impact of COVID-19. And uh, Marisa, uh, I know you've got patients who have been diagnosed 
with COVID-19, are you seeing a, a decrease in the numbers? We had quite a surge um, that started right after Thanksgiving um, and climbed through December into January, um, where we were seeing a lot of patients coming in symptomatic, a large portion of those patients testing positive. At least that was true here in Texas, but I think that was true uh, you know, throughout the country as well. Um, we have seen a decrease in the number of positive tests, you know, in Texas for sure. And I believe that the numbers, you, you're seeing that peak come down. We, it remains to be seen what happens to the peak after this spring break, considering that at least in Texas, the, the uh, mandates for the masks were also lifted. And so we'll see what happens going into these next couple of weeks to see what we see after the surge um, from all the people getting together on the beaches and just families getting together over spring break. So we're hoping it does not trend the same way that it did after Thanksgiving, but there is potential. Most businesses are requiring masks. Most are encouraging and and requesting retail, Right. And grocery stores are doing the same thing. Uh, Which is a great idea. Of course it is. It's well, you you know, like Dr. Costomo said earlier, because it is a respiratory virus, you know, the mask wearing, the social distancing, the hand washing, all of those things do work and have been proven to work um, to reduce the spread of COVID-19. And that's still true now. Um, And until we do reach those levels of herd immunity, um, which may still be a couple of months before we see uh, enough Americans, enough people around the world uh, vaccinated for COVID, um, we still need to be vigilant. So Dr. Costomo, uh, share with us your thoughts, both as a physician and as a, a microbiologist, about why we are now seeing sort of the long haul effects of COVID-19. Those who've had it, who seem to recover, uh, are developing symptoms over time, uh, which are, it, it's almost like a polio, which reoccurs in uh, patients once they uh, enter their 50s and 60s. Are we seeing the same thing with COVID-19? It's, it's a little bit different of a mechanism. Uh, it has, it's similar in that it's uh, effects that are after the infection has actually occurred, but it's the difference is that the post-polio often happens 20, 30, 40, 50 years after polio. And it's thought that the, the nerves that control the muscle cells that have been weakened die off that, that much sooner. So they get much more weakness in the part of the body that was affected by polio. Wow. So even though some nerves were killed and led to some partial paralysis or mild weakness, um, it comes on as the cells just basically die earlier. Uh, the post-COVID symptoms are more from the immune system still being activated and our immune system's great because it keeps us alive. It protects us from uh, bacteria, viruses. Um, but when it's still running, when it needs to shut down, uh, people often have those familiar symptoms of achiness, fatigue, mental fog, decreased appetite, uh, lack of drive and energy. Uh, and it can, some patients last for months. None of that sounds like fun. <laughs> no, not at all. And the, other uh, the thing good news seeing... is, is that it's not a reactivation of the infection. So you don't have to worry that they're actually having a reinfection and going to develop pneumonia or 
any of the other problems. So it's, it's a long-term symptoms, but it's not a long-term infection. And we're seeing less of an incidence of infection in younger people, are we not? Yes. Again, uh, do we know why? Uh, I don't know why. Maybe some brilliant researchers do. But you know, most respiratory viruses, the worst groups to be in are people uh, over 65, people with respiratory illnesses like asthma or COPD. And so a lot of times, um, young children under the age of five, people, young children with asthma, premature infants are often hit the hardest with respiratory viruses uh, like influenza, uh, RSV that are we see all the time. Right. Uh, for some reason, COVID does not seem to affect children and people with lung disease uh, as much as we would expect, uh, which is very fortunate because obviously it would be it's a tragedy anytime you see very sick or dying children. And not that we want our older patients to die, but usually it's the extremes of the age spectrum that receive the blunt of the uh, morbidity and mortality. We have twin boys who are seven now, but when they were younger, uh, one of them developed RSV, was hospitalized for a, a couple of days. They were able to knock it out. But it's very scary when a young one uh, comes down with something like that. Yeah, that's the, every parent's nightmare is the, the health of losing the health of one of your children. That's scary for everyone. As you look at uh, what has been just a year, a couple of days ago was a year uh, since the first real COVID pandemic was uh, declared in this country. Uh, we have seen such an incredible, as we started out today, loss of life. Uh, the numbers are staggering. Uh, even though we've come down, and you had mentioned that we're coming down, uh, a remarkably, uh, a remarkable drop in the numbers. But we're still talking several thousand people who are dying every day. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, of yeah. course, and you're going to see so many affected because it's not only that person, but their entire family that's going to be affected. Dr. Costomo, we were talking about the emotional um, impact of the COVID-19. Do you have any recommendations that you give your patients to try to help with coping? Yes. Uh, I think the first thing is to uh, try not to pay too much attention to uh, the news, the Internet, because, you know, uh. negative cells. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so much negative. It's just after 9-11, people would watch the towers coming down over and over. Uh, so try not to dwell on the negative. I guess the other things are, you know, dealing with your family, um, wanting them to be safe, but also communicating with them. And if you if they're high risk and you can't be in person, you know, Zoom, phone calls, Facebook and things like that. Turning to people's faith is often very important for an awful lot of people. Uh, exercise to de-stress yourself. Uh, a lot of patients will, are out more now walking. The weather's so nice here. Uh, things like yoga, tai chi, uh, breathing exercises, meditation. Uh, a lot of these things, uh, people we can use to kind of de-stress ourselves. You mentioned 911. And, and when you say that, I still see the bodies jumping out of that building uh, in slow motion, uh, heading to the ground. And uh, that you can't unsee that. True, but again, if yeah. you focus on you know the negative for so long, you just you build up even more anxiety and more you know almost like a PTSD where you're you know having mm-hmm. nightmares, you know having 
um, recurrent, you know, uh, thoughts about the situation, um, which you're right, I love that, you know, the meditation, the exercise, Tai Chi, deep breathing exercises. The other thing I would say, you know, reach out to those family members or friends that you know that live alone. Um, some of those people are so isolated and scared, especially if they have chronic medical conditions. I have several patients that are in their 80s and 90s living alone. And, you know, that a lot of those do live alone because they don't have a lot of family members um, that will reach out to them. So, you know, making sure that we're, and, and here at the clinic, we try to make those phone calls. We try to check in with those patients just to, to touch base with them and make sure that they have everything they need as far as food, as far as other resources that they might need. So many are skipping their regular uh, checkups with their well-med doc. They're That's afraid true. to come in. Right. And putting up preventative care like mammograms or colonoscopies, getting lab work. Uh, a lot of those things have been put off. Uh, I think at least here in Florida, we're seeing more people having the confidence to get uh, needed tests done, mm-hmm. uh, which people were definitely putting off a lot more uh, six to 12 months ago. Now, yeah, breast cancer does up? not take breaks. So no. Are they beginning okay. to come in now or not? Um, yes, yeah, I'm seeing a lot can. more patients. We still do uh, uh, telemedicine visits. And uh, so we can still do those if people aren't comfortable coming in. But I, I think uh, most of my patients, we only have a very small number that are not coming in or won't do a telemedicine visit. Well, you get the last word, doctor. Uh, is there anything we haven't asked you you want to toss in? I think you should trust the science and follow uh, the guidelines. I think the CDC is doing the best to look out for us. Hey, thank you very much. We got to jump for Dr. Marisa Charles. I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you, Dr. Paul Allen Costamo. WellMed at Kenwood is where he hangs out in Florida. We'll talk with you soon on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.